0: And this is the thing about ads is that it's so good when it's good and they work, it's like, you're just minting money (laughs) and that's how it can feel like. And then suddenly when they don't and you haven't built almost the foundations that you need to in place to actually have things running in the event that ads don't work or in the event that platforms go down or whatever, then that's when it's like, wow, do I really have a business? Like, do I actually really have a sustainable business here?
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Think Business with
2: Tyler podcast show. Our guest today is Deidre Shen. Deidre is an entrepreneur, a podcast host, and a strategist for online businesses. During her eight-year-long entrepreneurial journey, She's had many successes, but failures too. Now, Deidre is committed to helping other entrepreneurs scale their business to multiple six and seven figures. Not only does she help them through coaching sessions, but she's also a proud co-founder and CEO of CapShow. This is a software company that helps entrepreneurs with content creation. Deidre believes that you can achieve anything you want as long as you set the right goals. But what is the difference between a right goal and a wrong goal? Well, you're about to find out. In this episode, we talk about the importance of asking yourself the right questions when setting business goals, the benefits of systematizing your business, how to diversify your marketing strategy, and finally, why you need to do something that scares you to grow your business. It was awesome having Dietra on the show today, and I think you're going to get a lot out of this show. So let's go ahead and start the show. Hey, Deirdre, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Tyler. I hear you're having a cold day over there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, as well. Relative, right? (laughs) Nothing compared to. Well, she was just making fun of me because uh, my cold of fifty-four degrees is nothing like her cold in New York of what 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 would you say it was? Like below fifty thousand or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I am also an Aussie, so it's also relative for me, right? Like as as soon as it starts dropping, I'm like, no, this is too cold. (laughs)
2: yeah my dogs and my wife we lock up in the house man under 50 and it's like it's kind of sad it's pathetic but anyway hey so you know what i'd love to start with what do you do now tell us a little bit about yourself
0: yeah so in terms of what i'm working on it is a software platform actually called cap show and what it does is it helps entrepreneurs take the crappiness out of content creation so that's what i'm working on and super excited about
2: and there is so much crappiness in content <laughs> creation so I, I we'll talk about that towards the end but you know, I'd sure. love to talk about what got us to you taking crappy stuff out of content making, what got you there. And I know you've had some businesses. So could you start just telling us some of your business uh, journeys and, and all kind of ebb and flow in between what you're sharing?
0: For sure. Gosh, because I feel like I have so many. Uh, so I started in entrepreneurship almost a decade ago now. And it was in a a brick-and-mortar hospitality <laughs> business, which I would highly recommend that if anyone's starting their first venture, that that not, maybe not be <laughs> the one that you start with. Uh, but we had no idea, right? We were naive. This was my, um, my husband and I, you know, we were kids basically, gosh. And we just had this crazy idea that we were like, you know what? Yeah, we can make this thing work. We had no idea what we we're getting into because, by the way, neither of us had a background in hospitality. This wow. is the crazy thing. So <laughs> I was in banking, I was working in corporate. My husband was studying medicine at the time and just, and was miserable. And we both decided that, you know, because he loved, he'd actually loved baking. And we decided maybe this is something that we can do uh, together, which would be pretty cool. So we just went ahead. Like feet first, head first, like everything first, because I don't know how we didn't get to the point where we're like, this isn't gonna work. I, I can think back now, and I'm like, how did we just keep going? Because <laughs> we did, we just kept going, even though we had to like assign on a three year lease, even though we had to take out debt, like quite big amounts of debt, because we had to fit out the place. Like even though we had to, you know, we had all of these expenses before we even opened. I don't know how we at any point just didn't stop ourselves and be like, maybe we should rethink this. But we just went, like as I said, just went barreling into it. And uh, yeah, haven't back since. (laughs) It's crazy. So
2: you have this hospitality business. It sounds like you go all in. Yeah. You don't really have a lot of experience in the area. What happens? Does it fail or does it, do you somehow pick up traction and it takes off?
0: Well, that's the that's kind of the fun. So I kind of I was a little bit, you know, tongue in cheek and I was like, oh, I would highly encourage that this not be anyone's first business. And I still do stand behind that. But I think the thing that I'm also actually really thankful for is that it was our first business because we had to make it work. You know, as I said, we were on the hook for debt, we were on the hook for lease agreements. We had it like we had all these things we couldn't not just easily get out of. It's kind of different now when you have an online business, you can just kind of you know shut down things and But this, we couldn't. And so we had to make it work, which was so scary because we didn't know the first thing about marketing. We, you know, talk about being naive. We were like, we literally thought that when we opened the doors, people would just be like, like running in for what we were, (laughs) what we had, because it was going to be that good. Us and you know, anyone listening to this would probably know that the build it and they will come strategy does not work. So do not rely on that strategy because we did. And it was, gosh, it was months and months of like trying to figure all the things out. Like we were basically on the back foot going, okay, well, we can probably make these expenses this month with the little amount that we were getting in. But, you know, there was no, we couldn't see past, you know, the the next month because we're like, I don't know how. So, we just, we threw everything at it. We, you know, we did box drops, we did ads, we, you know, and really what I would, and, you know, this kind of then now comes into the, what we do now with CapShow, but we, at the time, we actually relied a lot on social media and we didn't really know what it was because this was around the time that Instagram was also kind of getting known. But what we did do was we, at the time it was more food bloggers that were, you know, the, they kind of had the audience. So, we were like, okay, let's try to invite food bloggers in. So we'd invite food bloggers in, and then they would start. They come in like one or one or two a week type thing. So it's trickling in. It's not like a strategy like that that's going to light anyone's world on fire. Um, at least not immediately. But then they started mentioning this thing called Instagram. So they'd be like, yeah, I'll put it on a blog, but also we're you know we're, um, starting to grow our own community on Instagram. It was like, oh, okay, that's cool do what you have to do but then I was like I don't know what this thing is and then uh we had like a a younger team member working with us and she was like you guys have to get on Instagram it's like the new thing and so we were okay try try it and it was it's really really fascinating because since then you know we really rode the the growth wave of Instagram like I really do credit that but then you know I have a love-hate relationship I got it, I became, I was like, I'm really loving this and this is so great. And then things happen as they always do. Algorithms change, it gets saturated, like all and then and it becomes so so much more of a grind in a way to have social media working for you. And that's when the, the hate part of the love-hate relationship started forming and you know, having to be really intentful with, you know, what type of content we we take, we put out who we work with, how we collect all of those, um, we really needed to start putting, you know, a lot more thought into it. And even now more so now because it's like incredibly, incredibly saturated, people are so, you know, just used to scrolling, like they're not even really looking to engage meaningfully. A lot. Well, that's how it feels a lot of time, I think. Uh, and so it's just, it's so hard to feel like, you know, you need to be on there because that's kind of the platform that can help you get visible. It can help you build your credibility and authority. And yet sometimes you feel like you're shouting to the echo chamber and getting nothing
2: for it. Yeah. Let, let's, let's steer back. I want to talk about your business. We'll get yeah. it. I promise you, we'll get into the social media aspect, but yeah. let's first talk about really interesting. You started a business with no experience. You had, uh, you had leases, you had commitments did you, it was a brick and mortar. Did you end up expanding that or how did that go? What did that play into? How did, what were some of the challenges?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we, we did, we did. Um, I actually remember this, this moment when, oh gosh, we were out to dinner. It was like one, we never, so I was still actually working a nine to five and then I'd go do a night shift. Um, It was called the chalk pot. So that was like, and I remember there was this one time that my husband and I could take the night off. It was a Friday night. And uh, at the time, we didn't, because we weren't that busy, so we only ever had two people working in the store. So they were on and we were at this Japanese restaurant and we get a call from one of them and they're like, uh, "Can you, are you guys free? Can you, can you come in? Like, I can't talk to you right now, but you just got to come in. And we were like, why? What's going on? And then, you know, we were kind of slightly freaking out because we didn't know what was happening. And so we jump in the car and we raced over there and I um, get to the front and drop my husband off so I could find parking. And it was insane because this the place was... Packed. Like, I don't, it was almost like this is the thing. It was like the months and months of work of stress of like, is this going to, like, how are we going to meet expenses, but still doing it, like, still inviting bloggers and influencers and trying to get the word out there. Like, almost, and that's why I say it's, you know, none of these strategies on their own is ever going to light the world on fire, but if you keep at it and they stack up, then it does suddenly. It felt like it it didn't happen this way, but it felt like overnight we had become a success. And then from there, it kind of just snowballed, right? Like we started getting landlords reaching out to us and and all these other people just being like, you guys are going to be the next big thing. Like we see you everywhere and everyone's talking about you and and so we were more, we were taking these meetings and we were being sold the dream on a lot of new developments that were happening, you know, these landlords wanting us in. And we, you know, like yeah, we opened, you know, the formal stores, the chocolate brand.
2: So you had five locations, five locations? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So okay. we had
0: five locations and then and then we also had um currently have two. So alongside it, we also opened a burger restaurant. Uh, so we have two of those locations. And so we had five locations at the peak. We don't anymore, but because, and we can get into why, but um, yeah, it was, it almost, it like in the space of, I think, gosh, three years since opening, we had, yeah, we had four, four locations and then, you know, another one coming after.
2: One thing you shared with me is you talked about being too hardcore on your goals and you felt maybe that played a little bit into just creating more challenges to get where you want to go. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like, what do you mean by being too hardcore on your goals? You don't usually hear that.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I think it was, you know, because you always, and I do encourage people to set goals because you have to have something that you strive towards. Sure. But I think the way that we're thinking about it at the time, again, we're young, and naive, and we're just like, okay, well, we're being told that we have set goals. So let's set the goals and let's do it. And I'm very much like a commitment. Like if I commit, then I'm, you know... I really commit. And so at the time we were like, okay, well, our the way that we were going to grow and all of that was going to be by opening more stores. That seemed logical to us at the time. Uh, and so we had set a goal to open another three stores. And, you know, once I make that commitment, I'm like, all in, and it has to happen no matter what. And that's what I mean by being hardcore and goals. But, and I think at the same time, you know, I talk about these landlords and stuff like, starting to reach out to us more and more. I was getting emails almost every day from people being like, you've got to come check out this new location or that location or whatever, you know, I've heard about you and, you know, you've got to come in here, you'd be a perfect fit for this. So, you know, you think about how i am we're so hardcore with goals, the wrong goals, by the way, but hardcore with these goals and also being driven almost by our ego because we were getting flattered by these, you know, and that was just a recipe for disaster because we signed up to these leases without probably doing the type of due diligence we should have because we had a goal in mind that we had to meet and we let our ego drive us to there. Yeah. So we opened yeah. these stores, really expensive stores in suboptimal locations being sold a dream and they didn't all work out.
2: When you say wrong goals, is there anything you learn from in terms of like how do you know when you have the wrong goal? Like, what 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 should we look for? Do you think?
0: Yeah. So when I think about how, because it's kind of almost like the goal, and then there's the how you're going to reach those goals. I think the thing that we had gotten the two mixed up, right? If we had set a goal to be like, okay, we want to increase sales, or we want to, you know, whatever, which is a more general, generic goal then your mind starts to think about other ways that it could solve that problem. And this is the, the great thing about starting to ask yourself the right questions, right? Like if we had asked ourselves the right question, which is actually we want to be growing sales in this way rather than we want to open stores, then our minds probably would have started thinking about other ways that we could have reach that goal, a sales revenue, a sales goal. But because we were so into, okay, well, the only way that we're going to be able to reach our growth, you know, um, goals, whatever, was to open stores, that was all we were thinking about. It was just about opening stores at almost all costs, (laughs) any cost. So I think that's what I mean by, like, setting the right goals and almost When you set the right goals, you start to ask yourself the right questions.
2: Yeah, that is interesting. To your point, like the more stores you open, the more moving parts you have. I mean, logically, it makes sense. Yeah, if you have more stores, you're going to have more sales. But there's also Mm. more moving parts. There's more employees. There's more chance for things to go wrong. More inventory. More vendors needed. All kinds of things. So it is interesting how that perspective. You know, you you also shared with me. You used the phrase the lie about systemization, and I loved it because. You know, I'm kind of like a systemization and process guy, and like that's a big thing. But I loved your take on it. You know, obviously there's good and bad from it. Could you share your story around where systemization sometimes could sound a little bit better than it is?
0: Yeah, and by the way, I am a big fan of systemization. So,
2: right.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I think like I think the the lie about it in a way is because once we believe once we think that we've systemized whatever that means, right? And generally, when we're like, oh yeah, everything's systemized then it allows us to kind of like let ourselves off the hook about really delving into things. So now why I bring that up is because we could not have, there are going to be things that you can't foresee, right? Like you just can't. So, And the story that I have around this is, um, this is probably about, gosh, four years ago now, we found out that our store manager of our largest grocery store, so it was in the heart of the city, had actually been stealing from us and he'd been stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars from like a lot of money. (laughs) It's insane. And you kind of go like, that didn't even enter our minds because, you know, I get asked the question a lot to be like, but, you know, didn't you have systems around that? Didn't you? And I was like, well, no, because that's just not how my brain works. Like I don't go into a place thinking, oh, either I'm going to steal or so I'm going to get stolen from like, that's just. And so it's like, we can do all we can to systemize and do and you know put everything in place that will help us run a business and do the, you know, all of that. But there are going to be some things that we just can't foresee. And that's kind of the lie about systemization, which is like, because systemization is all about how do you foresee the future and how do you put the systems in place to meet that. And sometimes you just can't.
2: Right. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And it is frustrating, and I'm sure you has a personal element too when someone steals from your business to your point like if you don't think that way or unless you were trained that way you know my background included that type of training but unless you're trained you're trained that way you just don't know like you don't even think that yeah. people would be doing things like that until you find out and then you probably have a giant giant pit in your stomach, um, the more you dig. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, I do want to segue into another thing you've said, and and this kind of correlates to more of what you do now is you made a comment to me uh, when we were talking earlier that paid ads suck. Probably not always, but a lot of times. Could you share your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. So definitely not always, but I think, you know, everyone probably feels the pain of like the, the glory glory days almost when things were working or seemingly working and then suddenly they don't. And, you know, a lot of people talk about their own experiences. You know, I know that Russell Brunson talks about it. I was speaking to Wilco, the founder of UpViral, and he was talking about his own, you know, version of the Google Slap and things like that. And um, I was speaking to another mentor as well, and she had built her business entirely on Facebook ads. And now, she's finding herself like they're not this more than double what she used to pay for leads, which is not sustainable for her business. And she's just like, "What do what do we do?" Like she, you know, it's and this is the thing about ads is that it's so good when it's good and they work. It's like it, you're just minting money. <laughs> That's how it can feel like. And then suddenly, when they don't, and you haven't built almost the foundations that you need to in place to actually have things running in the event that ads don't work or in the event that platforms go down or whatever, then that's when it's like, wow, do I really have a business? Like, do I actually really have a sustainable business here? Or have I just been kind of, you know, relying on the fact that I can just pay or buy or afford to buy leads? that I just can't anymore. So, it's unfortunate for a lot of people who have built their businesses on the back of ads.
2: Yeah. Advertising definitely can be can fluctuate. I have several clients that, you know, sometimes it's the greatest thing in the world and then other times it just dries up. So what is you know we've talked a little bit about content marketing being a pain advertising can be inconsistent and costly so let's segue a little bit into what is a good solution for a business that wants to grow and you know has to use the internet as a means to to drive traffic what are your suggestions around that and what are solutions
0: Yes. So it's all about diversification and it's kind of like diversification in everything, right? Like you think about your own, you know, stock portfolio or whatever, like you always want to be diversifying because again, if you put all your eggs in one basket, there's huge, huge risk that you're, you're building into, you know, into that portfolio. It's the same with your business, right? You want to diversify it. So, but the trick is like, how do you diversify it without, because it's also hard. It's, it's a lot of time and effort and potentially money to actually be on different platforms, to build an email list that you can get in touch with every day, but also still be in ads because that's never going to go away. So, you know, it's definitely a viable channel, but diversification is really what you need to be doing. You need to be able to tap into your audience in any way that, you know, <laughs> that they where they may be. So that's why, you know, we, and I, like, that's kind of why we've gone down this path of, Definitely the software that helps take the crappiness out of content creation, but then also, you know, we bolt onto So we also have a coaching program that actually also helps with how do you do all of what you need to do in terms of getting the word out there, even getting leads organically on social media while only spending two hours a week on social media activity. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the secret sauce. How do you diversify and be everywhere and be able to, get in front of your audience, whatever happens in other channels, but not have to drain your time and your energy doing that all. That's kind of a super source. And yeah, that's something that we're working on currently.
1: If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business.
0: That's kind of the secret sauce. How do you diversify and be everywhere and be able to get in front of your audience, whatever happens in other channels, but not have to drain your time and your energy doing that all. That's kind of a secret sauce. And yeah, that's something that we're working on currently.
2: How do you do that though? How do you only be online for two hours when, if you want to have a process, or I mean, if you want to have a presence, excuse me, not a process, but a presence online, how do you keep it to two hours? Like what, is there a trick around that or is it just discipline or what are your thoughts?
0: Well, it's a, it's a bit of both. Yeah. So for me, I actually so I have a virtual assistant. We call them a okay. the virtual office assistants. Yeah, super cost effective, and they are gosh, one of some of the best capable people that we've ever ever worked with. Um, so they are based in the Philippines, and I literally okay. So if I break down, I literally spend less than two hours a week actually. Um, but if we break it down, this kind of this because there's a whole like process to it. Because uh, again, system, this is when systemization comes yeah. in. <laughs> and so I train them to do what's something that we call content hacking, um, which is all about how do you find really well-performing posts, content out there that your audience is engaging with that you can use as inspiration for your own content. So that's kind of their first step. They'll go away, do that, and come back to me. We'll have a what we call a planning meeting where they'll kind of pitch almost like these are the things that I want you to do Deidre like these this is the type of images I want you to shoot this is the type of videos I want you to take this is the type of reels that I want you to create and so that's like literally 30 minutes of my time that we will go through that planning meeting I'll then will agree and then I'll go away and I'll do the things I'll you know uh, shoot the video or, you know, create the, the reel. And that actually only takes me 30 minutes as well to do because everything's there. They've told me what they want, need me to do. I just need to follow those instructions. And then I use our software Cap show because that's really what helps entrepreneurs turn their stories into a bank of captions. So I'll actually input a story and that takes me about 20 minutes to do. And that spits out a bank of captions for my um, VA to pick up and insert with the posts. And then they'll work on a, well, she'll work on a nine grid of posts for this for Instagram, let's say. And then I spend another 20, 30 minutes reviewing it. Hmm. And that's it. That's two hours of my time a week.
2: So I got a silly question. What's a nine grid? I'm not familiar with that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, So a nine grid is like, you know, on Instagram, when you uh, go to your your profile and it's Uh kind of like three posts. Uh, Ah, The way that we think about it is like in a nine, so nine posts almost. Because uh, you want to kind of, we want it to aesthetically all look good as well. So that's got it. how we it. about it, yeah.
2: Okay. And then the software, just to get clarity here, sounds like a really good system. And then the software, it somehow, it creates some type of captions or what does it do? Does it got some yeah. type of AI to it or what does it do?
0: Yeah, so uh, it's it's currently quite rules based, but we are going to be starting to put some machine learning, yeah, AI behind it. Uh, but we just wanted to, so we actually only launched MVP end of last year, and so we were like, yeah, let's keep it rudimentary, let's just test this. But you know, the more that we spoke to people and we got clients on, the more they, they were like, this is awesome. <laughs> so the starting point for Capture is the entrepreneur story. So you know and it could be what i do is because I, I also have my own podcast i co-host with someone else and so we'll have a chat generally about something that has happened in in my week and then what i'll do is i'll spend you know um, just after we record i'll actually input into capture the story that you know and what we just spoken about and so i use almost that long form of content to to put it in and then it just spits out a whole host of short form captions content for me uh, that, well, then my VA can actually pick up and, and use. Uh, so cool. it's actually, yeah, it's really
2: cool. So the, you said it's rule-based. Is that the person using it has to set up the rules or is that something you guys have done behind the scenes? You've set up the yeah, rules. We've
0: uh, done that. Right.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very it's cool.
0: going to become a lot smarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm sure it's, yeah, those types of things tend to evolve. So it sounds like a cool tool. And then is that, does that those stories, do you use those for Instagram, Twitter? What what platforms? Are they all platforms or do, what are your thoughts around platforms?
0: Yeah. So um, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok as well. Sometimes YouTube too, depending on what the video, like what the content is, uh, we can, we'll sometimes use that in YouTube. I'm not a big Twitter user. So <laughs> I actually don't have a Twitter profile, but it can actually be used for Twitter as well. So yeah, it, any platform, really, because the whole thing is it's based on your story. So in a way, and, that, and it was designed that way, because then it doesn't almost doesn't matter what platform you're on, because your story is always going to be the thing that connects you with your audience, regardless of the platform.
2: Right. So it sounds like you leverage virtual assistants in your own work. Are you a big recommender in terms of using VAs as a way to leverage a small business owner's time? What are your thoughts on how do you find the right people and any any words of wisdom there?
0: Yeah, 100%, I would recommend it. And I didn't think that I was ever ready to... Back when we hired our first VA, I was always like, oh, we're not making enough or "We're we're still too small or whatever. But seriously when I made the decision anyway to I I still kind of didn't really know how I was going to fill up her hours I actually told her I was like well I don't know if we have much work so let's start with only like a handful of hours and then before you know it she was working full-time for (laughs) because I was like (laughs) (laughs) you just suddenly it's like you're the you know again it starts to becoming not about what is it that you can you can give them but what is it they can do and they can do so much so much and take Yeah. Not only things, not only take things away from you that you don't want to do, but actually do things that you know you should be doing, that should be getting done for your business, but you just don't have the time or the will to do it. They do like, it's been amazing. And so I talk about organic lead gen a lot, like each of our VA. So we have four now, each of them all do organic lead gen for us on different platforms, all of them, because I'm of the mind that you know, I don't want to be adding expenses, especially as a, you know, a smallish business. Sure. I don't want to be adding more expenses. I want to be adding to top line. And so everyone that I bring in, I always want to be thinking about how can I have them working on top line activities, which is why they all do lead gen for me. And it's been incredible. It's been amazing. Yeah. So, sorry, back to your question Um, <laughs> in terms of like, what would I recommend? Look, there's no, so yeah, I all of ours are from the Philippines. We've worked with, like, the ones that we have on are amazing. Uh, we've also worked with some not so amazing ones, so it's not like I can blanket say they're all so good. So it is going to be really knowing what it is that you're looking for. Now, for us, experience is actually not a big thing that we look for, to be honest, because we can teach them everything. And, and I think this is a very common thing, right? Like any, anyone can be taught, anyone who's capable enough can be taught anything, especially if you have the systems in place. But it really comes down to their willingness to learn, comes down to their attitude to an openness with communication and, you know, speaking up if they don't understand or if they are stuck somewhere. And that can be a hard thing for a lot of especially like offshore VAs, because they don't want to seem like they don't know things or they don't, you know, they're always, always in fear of losing their job. And so we deliberately create, try to create a really safe environment where they don't have to be afraid of, like we would prefer that they speak up because then we're all on the same page. We need open communication. And so honestly, like for us, we don't hire for any particular experience or, you know, expertise, but we do look out for people who want to come into a culture like ours because it's also not for everyone. Like we do ask a lot in terms of, Growth mindset in terms of pushing yourself, in terms of, you know, wanting to work in a team, in terms of really wanting to contribute. And that can sometimes not be for everyone. And so we've worked with people who that, that wasn't what they were there for. And we're like, okay, well, unfortunately this, this can't work, but Hey, we know this other, this other business that they're just looking for someone to tick the boxes. So, you know, maybe that's, um, we can introduce you to them maybe. So, yeah, so there's, there's no, like, unfortunately there's no silver bullet it is kind of like you just kind of have to bring them in and see how, give them a trial, um, see how they respond to feedback and how you communicate with them. And yeah, take it from there. But I always, always lean on, you know, leadership is you have to have, like, you have to want to be a leader. Right.
2: Yeah. I, something you brought up really resonates with me. And I think it's hard sometimes for people working. With VAs, especially when they're offshore, in particular, is that cultural difference, that mentality. Like, there maybe in the case of Filipinos, is they're really always thinking about losing their job. Like, I don't want to do things that are going to cause me to lose my job. And there is an adjustment period. For, and I'd say, from our standpoint, not from their standpoint, in terms of how you approach it and give them a safe environment, and um, it does have a big impact in terms of the end result for both you and them. So that's a lot of wisdom there. So that's really cool. I got a couple. Couple uh, fun questions. I want to end with. I, you had mentioned to me that you read a lot. I'd love to know if you'd be open to sharing either a great book you've read or one you're reading.
0: Yeah, gosh, I just actually I got hooked. Okay, so I'm actually not a big fantasy reader. <laughs> I'm <laughs> really not. But uh, and so I'm going into the the fiction realm. I hope that's okay. okay.
2: Yeah, that's fine. That's great. <laughs>
0: But, um, yeah, I just just, uh, finished reading the series by Naomi Novik. It's just she writes about such great heroines. She has such great storylines and really beautiful ways that she, you know, paints the world. And as I said, I'm not a fantasy reader, but I just was hooked. And so it's on my mind just because I literally finished it yesterday and I was like, no, how could it end like that?
2: There's nothing worse than finishing a good book. I'll tell you You a feeling of accomplishment, but then there's like, oh man, what am I going to read now?
1: Yes, exactly. Oh,
2: that's cool. Also, it is another fun one. Yeah. I love to. before we wrap up. I'd love for you to give us either a life or a business tip that you've learned along the way that you could share with myself and the audience. Anything come off the top of your head?
0: Yeah. You know what? I actually was just talking about this even in uh, my, the last podcast episode that I, uh, that I recorded and I was actually reflecting. So I had just for Capture, um, as I said, we launched MVP end of last year and we did that with, we got an agency to help us with that. And I was actually faced with a decision. I was like, we could keep working with this agency again, pretty cost effective. And I don't know if anyone's worked with agencies, but you pretty much tell them what to do when they just do that thing. Right. That was one choice and it was safe and it was, you know, smart from a cost, you know, expense line (laughs) perspective. And I had another choice where I could actually bring on a CTO because i have been talking to someone and he was really interested in this project and helping us work on it, but CTOs are expensive. They they don't come cheap, right? Uh, And so I was faced with this this decision about which path do I go. So I finally made the decision and pulled the trigger on bringing a CTO on. And not only that, but we started actually hiring. We first hired our first full-time developer, which is super exciting. We're actually um, interviewing for another position. Wow. And I was talking to my to my husband just like on the weekend and I was like, I can actually feel, so it was a really hard decision because logic, logic would tell me that, you know, the business is not like we're making all of this money that I can afford to do that. I should go down the safe path, right? I have right. a degree in accounting. I went into banking. I should know like that's the safe, you know, that's the thing that makes sense. And yet I made this leap anyway. And, but the thing is that once I made that leap, I found myself actually feeling, literally feeling, I could feel the change in myself, how much I had leveled up and how much I was like, it's already, it's almost a given that this business is now going to be success because I'm going to make it so. And so I think this is like every time that we're faced with this really scary decision, which we are always going to be as entrepreneurs, right? Like whether that's to invest in ourselves, or whether that's to invest in our business, or you know whatever that is, always know that sometimes the scary, scary decision—actually, almost always—the scary decision is going to be the right one because that's when you know that you're going to be forced to level up. And if you're capable, which I know you all are, then you're going to meet that. You're gonna, you're going to level up because you have to. And so, yes, yeah, so that's kind of what I would say, only because I literally have
2: just gone through this myself. <laughs> that is cool. That is really cool. And I can imagine the fear or anxiety, I should say, of hiring someone like that because it's, you're suddenly making a commitment to them. and it, But it does raise the ceiling to your, your business almost overnight. So that what a cool move. And it's great to hear your growth too. As you start to put those pieces in place, I'm sure it'll start to even gain steam faster.
0: Well, that's exactly, that's the thing, right? Because that's why it's so funny when we think that we're making the logical choice. Because, And that's why I made such a, you know, that was, you know, going down the agency path and spending less money and all that was the logical choice. But really, when you think about it, it's kind of the illogical choice because, you're going to be capped, right? Like right. we know that by going down that path, we wouldn't be scaling. Uh, we wouldn't be building something for scale. We wouldn't like. So we we're always going to be capping ourselves. So why? Yeah, why do that? Was actually the illogical choice. When you think yeah. about it. So yeah, but it
2: feels <laughs> so much safer. Yeah, no, I'm yes, with you all the way. Right? <laughs> hey, I'll put this in the show notes too. Your website is Cap Show Unlocked. Slash Get Leads is where we'd like people to go to check out. There's a there's a link that takes you to a free. It's an accelerator on February 21 through 23. I believe it's free.
1: Yes. Okay.
2: Yeah. It's just free from 8 a.m. Uh, PST to, uh, until. Is, do I have the time? To try 8 a.m. 8 a.m. PST yeah. for an hour. Yeah. And it's, it's an uh, okay. Cool. It's CapShowUnlocked.com and CapShow is spelled C-A-P-S-H-O. Mm-hmm. Cap show C A P S H O. Is there anywhere else you'd like uh, if people wanted to reach out to you and just talk chat with you? Anywhere else you'd like them to go?
0: Yeah, for sure. Hit me up on really any of the social media channels. Uh-huh. Uh, just except it. <laughs> 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 Um, Deidre Shen, uh, so my, the D E I R D R E T S H I E N. So, yeah, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on YouTube, not on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on TikTok as well. Uh, so, yeah, reach out to me. You can even visit my other website, which is deidreyshen.com. And if you want to know more about the software, then it's capshow.com. But, yeah, definitely sign up for this free three day accelerator that will, I'm going to go through the exact strategy of how you can get known and get leads using sh- social media at exactly where Tyler said.
2: Very cool. Okay. Well, hey, and I'll put it in the notes too. It's been a blast to have you. Love to have you back when you hit your first hundred million, or maybe even if it's last, <laughs> uh, and we can have you on again. So thanks
1: for your time and, and look forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much for having me on. Sure.